to be doing that. Verses 8 through 23 this afternoon. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 through 23. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, of which you were also mindful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in this to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did share with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet-smelling savor, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, we do have a, a nice um, concluding passage here concerning Paul's writing to the Church of Philippi. Uh, several areas I would like to talk to this afternoon. First of all, the presence, peace, and sufficiency of Christ. Because of the presence of Christ in the believer's life, we know that uh, God gives peace to us. And that presence of Christ is associated, of course, with the indwelling Christ and our walk with him. And um, in some sense, that is conditional. Uh, if we know Christ and are not, and are not walking with him, in some ways it, it negates some of the blessings. But if we know Christ and are walking with him, then we should expect not only the peace of God, but we should expect that his presence is with us in a way that is most affirming in our walk. Secondly, the peace of God in Christ is my joy, in verses 10 through 13. And here we again see that 
that Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now, as at the last, your care of me hath flourished again. Well, he, of course, seems to be talking about whatever uh, kind of uh, support he might receive from the church at Philippi. And so it seems that uh, he is uh, in um, a position, of course, uh, in Caesar's care, as we might kindly put it. Um, and uh, it is good for him. He, he believes it is good that they have sent him Epaphroditus, for sure. Perhaps they sent along um, perhaps some writing paper for him. Perhaps they sent uh, a little bit of money for him, or maybe other goods that uh, he needed. Uh, whatever he might have needed, I'm sure, is part of the, the, um, the care of me which hath flourished again, of which ye were also mindful, but ye lacked opportunity. You see, um, the Philippians did care about the apostle. They did send the Paproditus. And uh, perhaps previously they could not, or for some reason was not available, to extend their uh, help to him. But now they, of course, had, and he is thankful for that. Uh, so this peace of God in Christ, he says, is my joy. The peace of God extends as much from others caring for the apostle as he, knowing Christ, or even for the believers at Philippi, their ability to know that they should do something to help the apostle, um, having, the peace, having the presence of God with them, and the fact that they did do that, and that it became a benefit unto the apostle. Don't you feel better when you know that you have followed the prompting of the Spirit of God to do something to support someone else in the ministry? I trust you do. Because God uses us that way, doesn't he? He uses us. Um, we take up offerings. What do we do with them? Sometimes we need to you know, kick ourselves in the backside just a little bit and think about what we can do with what we have taken up. We're not a bank. We don't, we're not hoarding it for that reason. What are we doing with it? You know, uh, do we want to send it off to a missionary? Do we want to do something here in our local area that we can promote the gospel? Uh, what is it that we need to do with what God has entrusted with us, you see? Uh, the church of Philippi recognized they had some ability to help the apostle, and though they were willing to do that, and, uh, and he was thankful for it. Um, he was thankful for it. And uh, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. The third one we're going to be looking at, the sufficiency of Christ provides all my strength and need. Now, we love to quote this passage. Uh, that mentions this, uh, this fact that Christ can do, that we can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do all things. We love to quote that. But it comes right after the fact that he says, I don't always have everything I need, at least from a natural standpoint. 
you know, sometimes I'm, he says uh, in verse 12, I know both how to be abased, I know how to be abound, everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. But usually we don't put it in that context when we use it. We somehow hmm, don't want to be abased, but we rather want to be abounded. <laughs> We don't want to suffer need. We want to somehow be, have everything supplied. Um, so it seems like he's quoting this verse more in a sense of, well, I just want you to know that whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, I am content in Christ. Because Christ is the all strength that I need. He's the all strength. He doesn't, he doesn't promise us a big bank account. He promises us to, that he's going to be there in the midst of our difficulties. Well, these are the three areas we want to look at in the next uh, 20 minutes or so. So we'll, we'll go back to verse 8 and, and, um, and make comment to uh, some of these things as we, as we go through here. Um, first of all, he says, finally, finally, um, does it mean in finality? Um, the Amplified Bible, which I, I don't mind referring to that for some clarification once in a while, he says, for the rest, brethren, for the rest, brethren. If, it's kind of like uh, adding a few more comments to say something of some significance um, and saying, for the rest, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, here are some things you can think about. Finally, brethren, here are some things you can put in your vocabulary. And you can think about those things. Because we are to do all those things which are full of gentle forbearance. Moderation. We're to do all those things that are, that are truly representing that we are acting upon the presence of God in our lives. You see, the presence of Jesus in my life gives peace. The presence of Jesus in my life. And so, when we talk about those things that are true and honest and pure and just and lovely and of good report and virtuous, they all come from the same source. They come from Jesus. They come from the presence of Christ in our lives. That's where those things are best defined, is in Jesus Christ. Because he is our strength. He is our strength. And so the true, the true, um, again, referring to the Amplified Bible on some of these words, just to give us another reference, he says, um, whatsoever things are worthy of reverence. Seems to be, they're using that in the place of true. 
is honorable in the place of honest. And seemingly whatever is just, that one stands on its own. Just and to be justified by the Savior. Holy, if you will. Whatever is pure, but not sure that can, you can uh, say much more than to say that the purity and love of God is to know him and to act upon his example. Whatever is lovely or lovable, and of course the idea of love and lovableness has more to do with the love of God and the goodness of God as we demonstrate it in our lives. If there is any virtue and excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, he says, think on the weight and take account of these things. Fix your mind on them. And so uh, here are some things we can, we can fix our mind on when we really want to be able to um, articulate more and more in our lives the kinds of things that would demonstrate the life of Christ in us and the presence of God working in us. Things that are true, things that are honest, things that are pure, things that are just, things that are of good report, things that are virtuous, things that are praiseworthy, these things, these things, the Apostle Paul says, will demonstrate more perfectly the presence of God in our lives. And you, you may be thinking, well, that's an awful long list of things to think about. And it is, it is. Um, and I think that is the reason why we need to walk closely with the Lord is so these things will become more uh, shown through our walk with Jesus. Uh, in other words, uh, you can't kind of work these things up without Christ. You can't, you can't just work them up. You have to know the Lord and walk with him for these things to be shown. Um, and that's the, that's the idea. That's the idea. The presence of God in your life will bring these things out and people will, will, so will know that you have not only the presence of God, but you will know the peace of God as well. You'll know the presence and peace of God. And so in verse 9, he goes on, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Well, of course, again, he's using himself as an example. And uh, we might be a little reluctant to use ourselves as an example of those things that are most admirable uh, because we're kind of putting ourselves on the line out there. But the Apostle Paul could do it because uh, God had given him a calling which he could not go back on. He could not go back on it. Um, the particular way in which he was saved was quite unlike any other in the sense that 
he did not come under the preaching of Peter or somebody else in the apostolic lineup. Paul considered him an apostle out of due time. And, of course, we find that rather than being one who was somewhat inclined to the gospel of Christ, he was, uh, he was a persecutor of those who were followers of Christ. So nobody preached to him. He didn't hear the gospel, what well, that means. Um, he was actually persecuting other people who were Christians. And then he received the Holy Spirit uh, in a most uh, humiliating way. Uh, God struck him down on the road to Damascus. He had to go to a certain street, to a certain man. That certain man received a vision that he was to um, I suppose, actually, minister to the Apostle Paul in such a way that he would gain his eyesight back. Now, whether that meant some form of healing that he was gifted to do, I'm not sure. But upon completing the very thing that Jesus told Paul to do, and this man knew that he was to do, Paul received his sight. And receiving his sight gives us the impression that he also received the Spirit of God. And he immediately became aware, through the instruction of the Lord, that he was to be an apostle to the Gentiles. I don't know anybody else's testimony that is like that. Um, If there is, I'm not aware of it. (laughs) Certainly in the Bible, I'm not aware of it. But God can save and does save by the means that he chooses, you see. And, and did, did, did Paul do anything to merit any of that kind of treatment? Mm, no, don't think so. In fact, it was quite the opposite. He was doing everything that we would say would keep him from coming to faith in, in Christ. But the Lord chose him. And so could he say something like this with some confidence? He could. And he, he, he isn't saying just because I'm, uh, be, that I'm perfect. I'm, I'm a perfect person, so that means I can say this. He isn't saying that. He's saying it all based upon the fact that he was an apostle and he was called of God and that he was following and pursuing that very thing that God had instructed him to do. And so he says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Do. And so Paul believed those things that he had learned those things that he had received of Jesus, those things that he had heard, those things that he had seen, were the same things that he could, he could confirm and affirm to the Philippian believers and say, if you do the very same things I have learned, 
I have received, I have heard, I have seen, you won't go wrong. You see. And so in that way, you can make a testimony to somebody as long as you stay away from I. That kind of might make you stray away from humility. We must point everything back to Jesus, shouldn't we? I know it takes quite a bit of courage to do that. And I'm sure that we are reluctant to, to do that. But if, this, if you're under the Spirit's leading, perhaps you can. Because if you're under the Spirit's leading, then it will be safe territory. But you need to, we need to only do it when God instructs us to do so. It says, and the God of peace shall be with you. And so here it is. The peace of God in Christ, you see. The peace of God in Christ. The presence of God does give peace and gives us a, a certain virtuous element of life to live to his glory. The peace of God is in Christ of the, because of those things we have learned and received and heard and seen. You see, those things will give the peace of God in your heart. Is my joy... And so he goes on to say in verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now as at the last your care of me hath flourished again. So now he rejoices. His, his rejoicing really has to do with what God is also doing through the Philippian believers. And, of course, that's a, an important thing too. He doesn't over... Um, how should we put it? You know, sometimes when we think about things that people do, we become a little suspect of what people do. Somebody did something to in church, some kind of act of service or servanthood, and always oh, just showing off. That's just the way he is. He's just trying to, you know, and, and, and we, we do that because there's a little bit of the old nature that wants, that is somewhat jealous at times when other people are doing things and, and we, we, we then become suspect of it. But instead of being suspect of, of anything that the Philippians are doing, Paul is just saying, praise the Lord! <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad you did this because I believe it shows that Christ is is working through you because he, you have done it before and even though you didn't have the opportunity lately you have started again to minister to my need there's nothing quite like seeing God provide in our needs there's nothing quite like it. Because we immediately, if we're in the right spirit with God, we just ascribe it to what God is doing. And, um, and there's something kind of innocent about that in our faith, and that is very good that it is. Um, but Paul is quick to say, Not that I am in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am there would be to be content. Um, he wanted to, you know, 
let them know that um, if they couldn't, that would be fine. But he does, he really enjoyed the fact and rejoiced in the fact that they could help him in some way. And and so he makes that he makes that clear statement here. Um, in verse 12, I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. The sufficiency of Christ provides all my strength and need. Now, see, this goes, all of this goes to the sufficiency of Christ. The sufficiency of Christ is in verse 8 and 9, where he talks about these various virtues that are worthy to display. The sufficiency of Christ is shown in the fact that Paul believed and rejoiced in what could be provided through the Philippian believers. The sufficiency of Christ was even in the fact that sometimes Paul had want, sometimes he he didn't have want. But he trusted in Christ nevertheless. Christ was sufficient both in lack and in abundance. Christ was sufficient, you see. The sufficiency of Christ is demonstrated through these things that he is saying here. And then in verse 13, I can do all things. As if, as if you know, he had everything at his disposal and there was no particular need that he had. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And of course, the all things represents those things that maybe are not so uh, praiseworthy in the fact that that sometimes he did suffer great need physically and materially, but still he was able to bear under it and realize that Christ was in it. Christ was in that time too. Just as much as he was in the time where he was full and abounded. And so Christ is our sufficiency. He is our sufficiency. The very presence of Jesus in our life gives peace. The very peace of God in Christ is our joy and rejoicing. The very sufficiency of Christ provides my strength, provides my strength for every need, for every need. Notwithstanding, verse 14, ye have well done that ye did share with my affliction. So you see, he hasn't left that thought. He hasn't left it. He's still talking about that same issue from verse 10 all the way down here to verse 14. That he had need, that finally Paul realized that, uh, rather I should say, Paul realized of the great blessing it was that Epaphroditus came to him, that he, Epaphroditus was sent from Philippi, that the believers at Philippi did care for him, that the believers at Philippi, though they had, uh, had for a little while, could not send any particular help to him, now could. And, and Paul is just rejoicing over this, and even though he had, he was sometimes in dire straits, uh, verse 15, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. 
So he refers to this. He, he re- reaccounts the blessings that the church of Philippi uh, gave unto him. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessities, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. There is a sense in which those who are servants in the ministry want to see others come to a place in their lives where they are completely sacrificial for Christ. And the reason I say for Christ is because, you see, Paul really really didn't want it just on his own behalf. He says, he says here, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. The fruitfulness of the Christian life is dependent upon how we are willing to be led of the Spirit and act accordingly to serve others. For the Philippians, it was to serve Christ through helping the Apostle. And, uh, and he really just praised the Lord for that. In verse 18, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, and he calls them, notice here, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing. Now that has an Old Testament ring to it because the odor of sweet smell was that incense that was often poured out upon the sacrifice before the Lord and was a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling sacrifice, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. When we do things as God wants us to do them, they're not self-centered, they're not, they're not uh, in any way um, stingy, but they, no matter, it is the widow's might that becomes most pleasing to God and has a sweet-smelling savor to it, right? Jesus praised that little mite that the widow put in. It was all that she had, you see. And so it isn't the quantity um, that we often give. It's just that God wants us to act upon those things which will give praise to him, which are acceptable to him. And the only way we really can do that is to um, recognize that we must follow the promptings of the Spirit of God. Not personal guilt, but true promptings of the Spirit of God. There's a difference between guilt and the Spirit's leading. And the guilt we sometimes pour on ourselves. (laughs) But the Spirit's leading... We really have to um, look to the Lord for that one. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, of course, the key there is riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So we, we receive those things that are most needful in our lives from the Lord. The Lord of glory. That's where we receive them from. It isn't necessarily the material things that are most significant. 
Paul already said that he knew how to be abased, he knew how to be abound, he knew how to be full, he knew how to be hungry. <clears throat> and so he wouldn't be contradicting with that by saying this, because certainly the apostle, in the natural sense of the word, had a lot of want and need. But he says this to them, he says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, which includes having little or having much, being full or being hungry, or realizing when and if you should give and share in the work of the ministry. My God will supply. Trust in him. It's like saying trust in him. And so the sufficiency of Christ provides all my strength and need. Verse 20, Now unto God and our Father, be glory forever and ever. He mentions the Godhead. Verse 21, Greeting every saint in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. And so he greets them all in, who are in Christ. The brethren who are with me greet you. And so he sends greetings from those who are with him to them. All the saints greet you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Here is Paul, and he is under house arrest, so to speak. Uh, and he is in Caesar's house, that is, under Caesar's um, grip, as it were, um, his confinement that had to do with Caesar, and um, and there were Christians there in Caesar's household. There was there were Christians there. He is sending greetings, chiefly that they are of Caesar's household. Uh, he doesn't say who they are, really, but we can only imagine God had put him there and lives were being changed, and, pe and people were being saved, even in Caesar's household. <laughs> How wonderful that the thought is. How wonderful the thought is. And then he closes, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The most wonderful greetings and salutations that he gives both start and end with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How wonderful that we realize that God is most gracious and merciful unto us. And he says this grace of our Lord Jesus Christ uses the whole title Lord Jesus and Christ doesn't eliminate any part of it, which is a most wonderful title that he, he proclaims, Be with you all, amen. Lord, Savior, the anointed Christ, all of these apply directly to our salvation and to the grace of God toward us. And so these uh, three areas here are important for us. The presence, peace, and sufficiency of Christ. 
the presence of Jesus in my life, the peace of God in Christ, the the sufficiency of Christ. All those things are very important to our own lives too. That we might walk with Jesus and be exhorted to be of one mind and one heart in Christ. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word and we know, Lord, that what the Apostle Paul had to say to the church at Philippi is just as important to be said to us and that we can take these things to heart and realize that we also can learn and know and do these things because they are truly taught to us of Jesus. And so I pray you will bless them to our hearts and lives and that we may seek to emulate those virtuous aspects that are proclaimed in these passages. Lord, we give thanks and praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. For our closing, our closing hymn, number 610. 610, it is glory just to walk with him. 610. And if you'd like to stand, it is glory just to walk with him whose blood has ransomed me. It is rapture for my soul each
Heavenly Father, we thank you that our walk with Christ is one which is meant to be glorious and to be all those things that would set us apart, knowing that we have the presence of God and the peace of God and the all-sufficiency of Christ working for us and through us, Lord, that we may represent our Savior as best that we know how. Thank you, Father, for these great exhortations and wonderful truths. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.